Hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Find the Path podcast. I'm your host, Rick Sandage. I wanted to go through a quick introduction before diving right into our recording to answer, well, what is this? And why are we doing this? So let's start with what is the Find the Path podcast? This is an actual play podcast of the first edition of the Pathfinder role-playing game, which itself is a continuation, or in some opinions, improvement on, the third edition of Dungeons & Dragons. So, yeah, basically D&D. Even if you don't play, you're probably familiar with the concept from such things as Stranger Things. The actual play part means that you'll hear us actually playing the game. So basically, four of my friends and I sit around a table and tell an epic story. We roll dice, have some laughs, and then share it all with you. As the game master, I am the narrator of the story. I set the scene. I narrate whether or not actions succeed or fail. I play all of the allies that they meet and all of the enemies that my players will face. Each of the players have created a hero with their own backgrounds and motivations and character quirks, all of them designed to take on whatever challenges are thrown against them. We'll be playing through the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path, which is one of the stories put out by Paizo Publishing for their Pathfinder game. In this story, our heroes will be exploring the cities, pyramids, and deserts of the mythic land of Osirian. But what starts out in the first few episodes with the simple exploration of tombs will soon become much more, as an ancient threat stirs beneath the sands, and our heroes are the only ones that can rise to stop it. This is just one of dozens of adventure paths that Paizo has put out, so if you're interested in playing some yourself, you can check out more at paizo.com. This brings us to the why. Why are we doing this? My friends and I love Pathfinder. If you ask me, it's the single greatest game ever made. It gives game masters a deep system with which to design worlds and encounters, and players with a wealth of option to make any hero that they can imagine. We have played through a number of different adventure paths, but this time we wanted to share with anyone listening all of the fun, the excitement, even the heartbreak that we experience while we're playing. And hopefully this will encourage some of you to start playing yourself. Or if you already play, hopefully you'll enjoy sharing in our experience. Anyway, I think I made you wait long enough. So here it is, episode one. Welcome, Pathfinders. I am your Game Master, Rick Sandage, and this is our first episode of our new podcast, the Find the Past podcast, where we're going to be playing through Mummy's Mask. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, introduce my fellow players. As I said, uh, I am Rick Sandage. I am your Game Master. I'm going to be handling all of that good stuff behind the screen here. And we'll go ahead and start with this wonderful person on my left, Jessica Peters. Uh, yeah, I'm Jessica Peters. I'm going to be playing a chaotic neutral ranger with the skirmisher archetype named Sagira. Sagira is kind of a rough and tumble, grew up on the streets person. And she is pretty small for her size, so she kind of plays with the expectations of others. And she's kind of in it to make money, and people tend to think that it's just to, for money's sake, but there's a little bit more to it, and we'll get into that later. All right, and next to Jessica, we have Jordan Jenkins. Uh, yep, so I am playing Sudi Kantar, a lawful neutral monk of Phirasma. And Sudi is a catfolk. Uh, he is a black catfolk, which is rather unusual. He stands about five foot four, 150 pounds, green eyes. He's a weird uh, kind of, I wouldn't say like bipolar, but he has two different personalities. He has a very business-focused personality when he's doing anything work-related. And then after, outside of that, he's, you know, carefree and kind of jokes around and stuff. All right. And next up, we have Rachel Sandage. Hello. I will be playing a character named Citra. She is a Relic Raider rogue who grew up originally in the city of On, but managed to find her way into the city with these other fine people. Uh, she's very skilled at getting into tombs that she's not supposed to be getting into, but she's kind of put that to the side temporarily um, while she gets a better education, because that's super important. And it's like a starving college student. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. And she's definitely used to starving as her family grew up mostly in poverty before they moved, and now she's pretty chill but she's got a very uh she likes to remain optimistic but she does get her moods where she's like screw this so. all right and then next to rachel we have heather allen hello i am playing on a cleric of horus i think i'm the only one who's not playing a character that's my actual gender so that'll be fun yeah so you're playing um, you're, you're cross-playing yes all right he was born a noble in the city of Wati, but when he was 15, he left to pursue other 
adventures. Um, and he's just recently come back to the city and has been working with the Temple of Phrasma for containing the undead and everything like that. Okay. All right. So that's everyone's characters and a general idea. Now, we have no newbies at the table. Heather has about the same amount of experience that I do with Dungeons Dragons and Pathfinder now. Started with AD&D way back in yeah. high school. So about 20 years. Not don't, to date ourselves. Don't let them now know you know how... her age. <laughs> don't or... let them know how old I am. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> too uh, late. <laughs> too late. Uh, all, the rest, all the rest of you have about five years of experience uh, now. Probably. Yeah, five years. Yeah, so collectively around the table, we have about 55 years worth of experience. So uh, hopefully we won't mess up a ton of rules and get a whole bunch of comments about how uh, terrible we are at doing that, which uh, I would like to avoid, if at all possible. And if we do mess up a rule, it's Rick's fault. <coughs> yeah, totally blame uh, Rick. Always it's all Rick's his fault. fault. It's always Rick's fault. That's fine. I'll take your hatred. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be playing again Mummy's Mask. Mummy's Mask takes place in the fictional world of Galarian, and actually the nation of Osirian, which is kind of the Galarian analog for ancient Egypt, or actually more of a, uh, a medieval period of Egypt. So basically a land full of treasures and pharaohs and, well, only one pharaoh, treasures and assorted number of pyramids and ancient tombs, and unsurprisingly, considering it's called Mummy's Mask, mummies. Get a little noise going on here, a little background noise. This is Sirenscape, by the way, for any of those of you who are interested. Ben Looms is a, uh, a mad genius and a great person. We've had the opportunity to, to talk with him at least on a couple occasions up at PaizoCon. So uh, he is not a sponsor. We have no sponsors, but if he wants to be. Yet. Yes. yes. If anyone Yet. else wants to be, too. Hey. This episode brought to you by the fine taste of water. <laughs> you sound like an episode of Nightmare. Water. <laughs> water. You'll die without it. <laughs> Welcome to Mummy's Mask. Got three days. <laughs> a small city sits alone in the desert. Okay. Although that's not actually entirely inaccurate. So as our story begins, we're going to start out on the 1st of Ferest in the year 4714 by the Absalom calendar. So our adventure begins in the city of Wati, which is the native city for a number of you, although is new for one of you at the very least in the case of Rachel's character. I'm going to begin this adventure in my favorite way of beginning adventures. I'm going to ask the party to roll for initiative. Cool. Um, crud. Oh, I'm off to oh, a great start. I'm Ooh. very average here. I rolled a nat 20. Uh -oh. That's all of your nat 20s for the day. That's probably yep. all my Your luck is gone. That's pretty much. But that is a good omen. And I could use good omens. Well, you are a black cat. Exactly. All right. And uh, as I get initiative, I'm also going to get characters and names. So let's start with Jessica. Your character's name? Sagira Mabe. And your initiative is? 12. 12. Alright. Next to that, we have Jordan. Uh, Sudi. Just Sudi? Uh, yeah. Just Sudi. What is your initiative? I mean, I have, a, I have a last name, but I don't think it's going to fit on the initiative tracker. Probably. Please um, tell us. Kontar. Um, K-O-N-T-E-A-R. Sudi yeah, has self-esteem issues. That, that fits just fine. I mean. <laughs> oh, okay. Rick has well, tiny microscopic handwriting. Uh, my handwriting is quite giant and completely illegible. Uh, I see. True. Uh, what was your initiative modifier again? Or uh, initiative, again? initiative 22. 22. All right. That's much better. Uh, bring us around over to Rachel, who's playing. Citra, S-I-T-R-A. Nahamra, N-A-H-A-M-R-A. Thanks for that spelling. Yes. I just want to make sure it's accurate. And your uh, your initiative was a uh, seventeen. Seventeen. Uh, in the show notes, we should actually just put everybody's names and spelling because just throwing that out there. I was going to do that anyway, but thanks for announcing to the audience that you can find that in the show notes <laughs> if you're uh, you're looking for it. And you're lastly, welcome, we have audience. <laughs> Onuris, O N U R I S. O N U R I S. He has no last name. Very well. And um, your initiative modifier is a three. Three. I like to point out that uh, Onuris is the only one that didn't choose an S name, so that's also great. For I'm you guys. special. That was completely <laughs> unplanned, too. We yes. were going to be the S's as our name, like our team name. I, I don't like that. Well, Dad, you were an O. <laughs> so we could be so. So. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> Veto. Because nothing sounds better on microphones than long S's. <laughs> uh, yeah, thank you for that. This basically sounds like a hiss. So. Yeah. You're a cat. But we begin in the city of Wati, uh, commonly known as the Half-Dead City, uh, due to the fact that half of the city is a necropolis and the other half of it is a bustling city dedicated to basically producing things to bury people with. 
uh, mostly embalming items and things along those lines, but today things are a little different. The city sits basically at the crux where uh, two rivers converge, the Asp and the Crook rivers making uh, or converging and then continuing up their way north, forming the River Sphinx, kind of an analog to the Nile. Wati itself is basically a pious city, uh, wherein the necropolis is kept uh, up by the Church of Phrasma, the goddess of death, uh, as well as birth and prophecy and fate. The church here mostly keeps the necropolis safe and sanctified, although now by royal decree, uh, the necropolis has been opened. Uh, and priest of the local temple of Phrasma, known to all of you uh, as the Grand Mausoleum, have been tasked with basically assigning sites ready for exploration to adventuring companies in a lottery that will be taking place today. As our adventure begins, all of our uh, assorted PCs or player characters, which are these four, have gathered together in the city of Wati to basically take place in this lottery in the hopes of making their way into the necropolis for their own varied reasons and securing whatever items or treasure or loot or fame or answers that they're looking for there. The sun would steadily be making its way down in the furthest horizon, painting the sky a beautiful shade of red. All of you would find yourself, uh, unsurprisingly, and you're going to guess that it works out quite well, in the Sunburst Market in the centers of the living city of Wati. Uh, the market basically being located directly in front of the Grand Mausoleum, uh, which sits off towards your east. Uh, so basically with the setting sun behind you, painting across the beautiful uh, front of the temple, and then the setting sun setting behind the opposite temple, which is Abadar's Sanctum of Silver and Gold, which occupies the far side. None of you at home could see Heather making a face because she has a distinct dislike for Abadar. Abadar is awful, okay? <laughs> capitalism. Capitalism. Yep. Yeah, capitalism. Pretty I'm much not god of this, capitalism. I'm not going to heal this sick dying child because you can't pay me. Ha ha ha. Beyond that last temple is also the uh, the Shrine of Wajet, uh, which is the official uh, ancient deity. As in the uh, land of Osirian, both the primary gods of the Pathfinder Pantheon are worshipped here, the uh, 20 gods that make up that, as well as the uh, ancient gods of Osirian, which have kind of fallen out of favor and they're really more cults now, including the cleric in this party. Yeah, I'm a cultist. You're a cultist. I'm a cultist. Technically, I am too. <laughs> and I'm mainstream. You sold out. How dare you? Why do you think I'm such a big deal? Sold out. <laughs> I'm such, I'm such a, I have this lucrative trade deal that I made just by selling out to... Uh, Phrasma. Phrasma, yeah. <laughs> hey, Phrasma. It, was, it was fate. What are, <clears throat> what are your uh, assorted retirement benefits? I'd really like to know. Uh, I get to go with my deity when I die, and it's basically in a graveyard. Everyone gets to go with their deity when they die. Yeah, that's kind of If you're the... good. If you're good with, it, with your deity. So, uh, yeah, I get to go to the boneyard and do whatever you do at the boneyard. that's a pleasant place, the boneyard. Mm. Better, better than where I was going to go otherwise. But the, uh, the Sunburst Market is filled today with an assorted number of people. Many of these are locals. A number of them hawking wares, although many of them seem to be watching in almost more of a morbid fascination. Over a hundred people have gathered uh, that are not the locals from far and wide, adventuring companies from as far away as, from what you understand, distant lands like Chiliax, and even beyond in the lands of Risha and the lands of Lenore Kings, marching their way down here to gather in and then take place in this effectively sanctified looting of tombs. Uh, although the church seems to be doing some, well, at the very least, damage control in keeping this somehow organized. That's why my character is here. Where you stand here with the uh, Grand Mausoleum ahead of you and the Sunburst market behind, uh, directly before you would be the Golden Lake, as all of you would begin making your way there. And we'll actually start an initiative order with Sudi. Uh, Sudi, you would make your way out of the Grand Mausoleum, which has been your home for a great, uh, I believe, over a year now. Uh, yes. Uh, making your way down the steps and into the market itself, leaving behind you your Phrasmin, you know, robes and so on and so forth. Well, I, may, I imagine you could wear whatever you really wanted to, but you've technically left your position at the church to engage in this. I'm wearing some white um, clothing because uh, it's a desert and I'm black and I would be dead otherwise. So I'm going to be wearing like, you know, the, the kind of turban, like wrap ups, like basically just wrap as much of myself in white as I can. Very well. So comfortably wrapped and uh, you are a monk, so like no armor, no weaponry. Uh, yes. No, I, uh, I have a backpack. I have a dagger. With all of your worldly possessions. And I was like, what, what other worldly possessions do I really have? Because there's not a whole lot of my character. Um, oh, I have 50 feet of rope wrapped around me. 
that wouldn't be in the Bondage backpack. Style? Just around, like, like, you know, like, like over like, shoulder, like over like your shoulder and down to your hip, uh, okay. like you do. So um, I'm just gonna say that I have it like that because I feel like it'd be really weird to just have it in my backpack with my spare set of clothes and blanket and everything. Okay, and that's what a backpack is for. But it's for quick access in case we have to, like, you know, we're get lasso someone. We're not in the mausoleum. Not yet, but I'm planning for the future. All right, so there's a cat folk covered in rope. <laughs> yes, a cat folk covered in rope makes his way out of the temple, descends down the stairs. Directly before you, you basically cross by the uh, Golden Lake, I imagine giving some deference. Uh, the Golden Lake is not, in fact, golden. It's actually just an artificial pool uh, that takes its name from a golden sprinkling of actual gold that is delivered on it on Phrasmin's sacred days uh, and is home to the uh, sacred albino crocodiles that the Temple of Phrasma keeps. Mm, so cute. Just kind of hang out in there. Wish you could pet them, um, but they'd probably bite your hand off. If I was a druid. They are, they're regularly cared for, so they're not really a threat to anyone because they're mostly full all the time. Yeah, so but they you just still probably don't like want to go mess with the crocodiles. You don't want to swim in the pool, but other than that... I dare everyone goes with the pool. I will but take the stair. I don't like water. Uh, making your way down, though, you would find that the, uh, the bustling city of Wati is basically near to bursting with excitement at this point. Glancing around, you can see adventurers from every corner of the inner sea and of every race just scattered about as you make your way forward. Assembling here, basically, to uh, make their way into the city's necropolis, waiting only to be assigned their first sites for exploration. Surrounding the participant, the uh, public has gathered to observe the ceremony as well. There's kind of a festival-like quality to this. As you look about, you would notice that a number of uh, street vendors have basically set up to hot goods and refreshments to, to uh, participants and spectators alike. Some merchants have even brought what can only be considered, quote, adventuring gear. Uh, to sell as last-minute convenience items to explorers. There's even a rope cart if you need additional rope. Oh. I don't. You don't. You're good. I'm good. Uh, Might need a grapple, though. Oh, oh yeah, man. a grappling hook. If I could have, Actually, I could have afforded a grappling hook, but I, I'm good. <laughs> if you need any last-minute purchases, <laughs> you can go over there and get a grappling hook. I'll see who my team is first to see if it's necessary. Others of these carts advertise that they'll buy recovered treasures and antiquities, already basically setting up shops, you know, more in the most like, hey, when you find these things and you bring them out, you can set us up with it. In front of the imposing edifice of the Grand Mausoleum that you just left, an immense awning has been erected between the uh, decorated pillars in the market to basically provide shade for the priests of Phrasma that are overseeing the lottery. You can already see Septi the Crocodile, whom you're familiar with. Uh, as the High Priestess of Phrasma, basically there and beginning to set up things. Kind of just like a big lottery bowl set off towards one side that she's yeah, getting ready. No, they're to. not doing that. The little rolling with the balls. No. It's not bingo. <laughs> it's not bingo. <laughs> as long as this isn't like the short story where you get stoned at the end. And oh, the lottery. Yeah. yeah. I, I volunteer for That's you. a great short story. It is a great short story. We have uh, two English teachers at the table, so just so you're warned. <laughs> There'll be lots of book suggestions, perhaps, as we continue. So if you like books, also, feel free to stay tuned to our podcast. <laughs> uh, beneath the awning, though, uh, two urns would sit atop a table elevated a few feet above the ground on a wooden stage constructed for the event. Um, the high priestess would uh, sit behind the table right now with two other acolytes who are conferring with her on either side. They generally don't seem very happy. Uh, you can tell, judging by the line leading up to them, that the adventuring groups are basically finishing submitting their names. Looking about, though, you would see little sight of anyone who is not already a member of the group. And from what you understand, you can't really do this solo. As you glance around, a second figure would arrive as Citra would make her way into the marketplace, the blinding Osirian sun setting in the far distance, painting the sky brilliant red. Well, she's, you know, a native of Osirian, so she's got the dark olive skin and um, thick black hair that she usually keeps braided behind her back because needs to be out of the way. She's uh, wearing leather armor, but it's covered with uh, the white linens that they typically wear with a pair of brown pants. And she's got a kukri... Uh, or two, actually, kukris on her belt and a kit on her belt for other... Um, the less savory elements of being a yes. rogue. Well, you know, she's a good person, but she understands that sometimes to feed your family, you might need to steal from someone else. Preferably somebody that has... True that. More money. <laughs> You're going to have a very chaotic party. Uh, so making your way into the marketplace, you would see much as I described previously. Lots of you know festival air uh, and a sort of number of people. 
I don't know if you do the uh, the pickpocketing thing, if you sleight of hand. Not anymore. Do. Okay. Not anymore. So being a reformed pickpocket, you probably wouldn't notice any marks or anything other than there's some obvious marks for the other people here, and you can immediately pick out the pickpockets amongst the crowds. I mean, if they try to pick mine, I'm going to pick it right back, because I totally have a rank in that. A rank in picking back. Well, in sleight of hand. <laughs> no. And take backsy. <laughs> No take I'll be like that person in the movies where the kid tries to pick your pocket and I grab their collar and go, uh-uh, give it back. Glancing about, though, you would notice that there are a number of basically adventuring groups that you can see scattered about. You yourself also know that you need to be part of an adventuring party. You do notice a single... How tall are you? Five Sorry, foot four. Jordan. Five foot four? Very <laughs> well. You're cat so person. Pretty. So, a single small cat man. I don't know if you can see this. He's doing the little kawaii marks on the side of his head. I can guarantee you they can't see <laughs> about the other people at the table thank you <laughs> not everybody was paying attention to him some of them were looking at you okay i see they're, they're well, well, maybe a, a sound effect for the kawaii <laughs> face that we do yes what looking your, over you would oh. oh i was gonna say what is your charisma are uh, you like actually a cute kitty or are you like a ragged kitty i'm just, just scrappy cat. Average cat. he's an average he's an average kitty which is cute kitties are averagely cute average yeah that's true so yeah there would be this uh this cat folk wrapped in assorted uh white robes back and forth and i believe a turban on top so i can only imagine did you cut holes for your ears oh my god yes you have to have cut oh holes for the ears how yeah. freaking adorable all right yeah so i definitely did with holes cut for the ear and a second hole in the back cut for his tail just kind of wandering around through the market here. He also does not appear to have an adventuring party yet. You have no idea who this person is, but you do know that you're desperately in need of an adventuring group. True. My character gives him a once-over and kind of looks him up and down to see if she actually thinks he would be a benefit and then decides to... What you see is a catfolk with rope and no armor or weapons. <laughs> yes. a backpack. So... I have a this guy looks like he could take care of me. <laughs> If nothing else, he can guard the door. If nothing else, he can walk in front of me and set off the traps. <laughs> I, well, I'm, I would disable them anyway. I will uh, approach him casually as not to raise alarm because he is a cat. Ah, uh, yes. Don't look directly kitty, kitty, at him. Kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> I bring you a treat. Not literally. <laughs> not Don't literally. Don't face right now. <laughs> so offended. It's the not literally. So making your way up, uh, I suppose you'd glance over seeing this uh, Osiriani woman beginning to approach towards you. I give her a curious once over. Mm, I do need a team. I acknowledge her with a nod of my head. So, enjoying the market today? Yes. Are you looking for a team? Perhaps. It's a match made in heaven. (laughs) (laughs) Match made in awkward heaven. All heavens are awkward. <laughs> what, what is your experience? Well, I've been breaking into tombs most of my life, actually. Mm. What's about you? I was with the Temple of Phrasma. So, I am trained as a combatant. I don't know how much fighting you're actually going to be doing inside of a tomb. Most of them are dead. Is right they've dead. Stayed dead if they've stayed dead. But I suppose the necropolis likely has others. That is a good point. Does two actually make a big enough team for this lottery, or do we need two? We will probably need others. As if being called. (laughs) Sagira, you would make your way into the marketplace. I imagine taking a quick glance around and probably generally unimpressed by the, uh, the situation going on here, as well as the assorted number of options available to you as you look about. You would, however, see Sudi, whom you have a, uh, a backstory connection to. Dun, dun, dun. So, yes, your, your cat folk friend does appear to be off towards one side talking to what looks to be a traveling Osiriani woman with lots of knives and a roguish look just about two. her. Just two. Just two. Well, I don't know what constitutes a lot, but let's just go with let's just Two say, is not a lot. There, 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 not. there will be more eventually, but two for right <laughs> That's now. That's all you can afford. Just adding to my collection. Much, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all my strength score, Carrie. So looking over, though, you would note your own companion there. And if you want to describe Segura for us real quick, that would be great. Sagira stands at 5'2". Uh, she has light brown skin, uh, which is bronzy with her time spent in the sun. She's really muscular for someone so small. Uh, and she carries with her a kopesh and a kukri, both currently sheathed, as well as a backpack with everything she owns in it. She travels light. Her hair is black, although it's generally wrapped with a scarf um, to protect it from the sun and the wind. And her face sometimes, if needed, she can pull the scarf over. She wears light-colored clothing 
and she wears studded leather armor that's well used, but it's cared for and it works well. Um, otherwise, she's pretty plain. She has a nose piercing. The bull ring or the sun? the bull ring, and she has a tattoo, but it's currently covered, so no one can see it. Yeah, I guess I'm just gonna walk up to Sudi because I know you. I suppose as you had finished basically saying that two doesn't constitute a team, and you may need to look for more. Uh, well, hello. I know, I know her, Sakira. Hi. Hello. Are you leaving the temple? Yes, I'm going to sign up to go into the necropolis. Really? Do you want, do you want to come with us? Well, I mean, I was going to go to the necropolis, and I need a team, and I know you. We should be a team. Are you going to be distracted by a sphinx again? Only if we find one. That's so, not yes. promising. <laughs> distracted by a sphinx. 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 I really like sphinx. He has a thing with them. I don't really know what is it is. It just because you're catful? Or... No, they're fascinating creatures. Very unique. Very intelligent. Is this going to be a problem? I don't know. I do speak Sphinx. Maybe not. I'm Citra. Hmm, Sagira. So, does that mean we have a team of three? <laughs> um, um, my studies in the temple did not cover this. So, rule number two of Pathfinder, after rule number one of not splitting the party, is not adventuring without a cleric. Or an oracle, or anyone that can or cast healing magic, yeah, basically. Yeah, a healer type of some kind. On the far side of the, the market here, stepping also out of the Grand Mausoleum, I'm going to assume that you probably got you know, ready to leave at about the same time that Sudi did, but all he had to do was throw some rope over his head and walk out the door. <laughs> and you have to put on armor and all the rest of that stuff. On yours? On yours. Yes. On yours. On yours. Okay, that might take me a little bit. On your stepping out uh, into the bathing light of the sun as you stride down triumphantly from atop the steps. I'm epic, apparently. Yeah, in slow motion. The wind billowing behind you and a flight of doves taking off now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you would make your way down. Again, basically seeing this, in your opinion, almost morbid festival spread out before you of people celebrating the breaking into and desecration of tombs in probably your own mind. As you would engage in the breaking into and not desecration of tombs. No, I'm going to stop that. That's the and you know find out some other information, but mostly to stop the desecration. No. You're going in there to respectfully break into tombs. Well, somebody has to do it respectfully. That's true. If you if you loot all of the tombs, then they can't do anything. Exactly. It belongs in a museum. That is actually his opinion. Yes. <laughs> so uh, making your way down the steps, though, and glancing about, you would notice an assorted number of what you would generally consider to be dis or disreputable people, quote-unquote adventurers, making their way about, getting ready for things. You would notice, however, your old friend Sudi as well. Yeah. Although not necessarily old friend, but the very least you guys have worked together in the temple for the last year, yeah. even though you're more on the cleric side and he's more on the, you know, fighting Punching side. Punching side. Uh, although you yourself are not a cleric of Phrasma, you're just helping out at the temple since you don't really have another place to be. <laughs> as there is no actual temple to horse. It's up to you since he seems to be, you know, gathering together a small group. I would recognize the Rachel's unlikely leader. I think I recognize Rachel's character too. Uh, as you approach, I imagine yeah. you actually would recognize Citra. Citra. Sorry, I look down at my thing and I'm like, ah, oh, it's one of these S's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, making your way up, feel free to go ahead and describe as I suppose uh, you would actually be the only, sorry, uh, Jessica would actually be the only person to uh, look up and go, I have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> She makes. She looks at um, Sudi and like points over her shoulder. Like, who the heck is this guy? Anuris is tall. He stands at about six foot four and well built and muscular. Um, his he's an Azamar, so his skin is gold, and emblazoned into his skin around his right eye is actually the eye of Horus. So extra. Yeah. We'll include that in the show notes. <laughs> and um, his right eye is blue, and his left eye is solid white, even though he can see out of it, but most people would assume he's blind in that eye. Uh, right now, he'd be wearing studded leather armor and has a uh, light shield and a kopesh, and is also wearing a hot weather outfit, mostly in light blue, the favorite color of Wars. But when I recognize these two, I would head that direction. So I suppose striding up. Uh, again, conveniently arriving to hear them over, you know, or mention the uh, the lack of a cleric in this party. <laughs> ah, Phrasma provides. Greetings. I think Horus provides. I think Bastet provides. I'm going to go with Osiris. The gods provide. Are you <laughs> coming to the necropolis? <laughs> Do you wish to join the team? You're going into the necropolis? Yes. Of course. Apparently this is very serendipitous, because we all are. Well, I mean, you are in a market celebration for people going into the necropolis. 
I mean, technically so it would be the only place here. people would gather, but it makes sense. I'll go if everyone in this group is agreeing to respect the tombs. What does that mean? We're not going to desecrate corpses, if that's exactly. what you're implying. Oh, God. Not a drug dealer. I would eye the other adventurers in this general vicinity and not look happy. You're a serious one. Yes, he is. But, but that may not be a bad thing. You two know each other. We work together in Tefu. Ah. I went to the school there. The gods provide. We all seem to know each other, one way or another. I are smell you? fate. Yes, I was about to say, are you assuming this is fate? Yes. Well, of course you are. I for finger Asmans. my Farazman holy symbol. <laughs> I suppose we have a team. Yes. How do we register? You would all note that the line is starting to thin out, making its way up to the uh, registry desk in front of the Temple of Phrasma. And so you're going to assume that they're going to be starting the lottery quite soon, as they're planning on doing it at basically sunset, which is approaching. Technically, you only need to send one representative to fill out a form with all of your names on it and provide the adventuring party name so that they can add it to the lottery. You're a... Priest of Phrasma, I think you would be the best choice. Yes. Um, what is our team name? What do we wish to be known by? I don't know. And then the crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not going in to desecrate anything, so maybe guardians of some kind? Mm. What about maybe the Revengers? The <laughs> Revengers? <laughs> Sudi gives you one of those looks like, really? Uh, What about... I'm not sure that's appropriate. I don't think any of us are avenging. Or revenging. Revenging. Um, Those are all copyright anyway, so... (laughs) Doorkeepers. Marvel, don't shut us down. I know you're controlled by Disney now. Gatekeepers? Uh, A flat. uh, A fate? Maybe the doorkeepers of the Duots. What's a Duot? The, the land of your the character dead. would know that the Duat is the <laughs> land of the dead, where all people go when they die. That I, I, I rescind Sudi's commentary. <laughs> <laughs> is is not what, what is your knowledge of religion? Um, zero. Yes. So you might have actually asked that because apparently you're not a very studious monk. But hey, I was doing good with Phrasma. I have no formal schooling, <laughs> so reading is kind of a problem. Just saying. The Duat is the ancient Osiriani word for the land of the dead, where everyone goes to be judged. The boneyard. If you would like an equivalent, sure, but... Interesting. The Duat. This name is acceptable to me. Doorkeepers of the Duat. Okay. I go to go registers. Very well. You can make your way up, stand up in line. You'd basically be standing in line behind a halfling who seems to have an inordinate number of dogs. So cute. Uh, and ahead of you would be what you're going to guess is some woman from further to the north wearing uh, what amounts to like a purple long coat and a large, you know, wide brimmed purple hat with a massive feather plume off the top of it. I am very uncomfortable. <laughs> like, what is it may be the dogs, but it's also just the weird. <laughs> what kind of dogs? They look Does to be. Does it matter? Yes, I'm Yes, curious. it matters. Do you have knowledge of nature? I do. There's some form of breed of dogs. For I guess those of you further back <laughs> looking over, you can make a knowledge nature check. If you you so guys wish. sent the wrong person. Uh, you actually may things. also make a knowledge geography. I don't have that. I get a 24 on my knowledge nature. Knowledge nature, you would tell that these are well-trained, probably fighting dogs. They look to be maybe Catapeshi. So you're going to guess that he maybe came up from some of the dog fighting pits down in the city of Catapesh. All of them seem to be well-trained and combat trained. Okay. Standing in line, though, you would uh, wait for some time as you make your way up towards the front. Eventually, you'd be next in line, faced with Septi the crocodile. Uh, she is not is, in fact, a crocodile. In fact, she is a human. With long black hair, which is currently hidden underneath her uh, the hood of her Phrasman mantle. Honestly, she's quite young. Surprisingly so for a high priestess. But she carries with her an air of authority that leads most people, even the older priests in service, to not question her authority. Hence, the moniker the crocodile. She would give you a cool nod as you begin to approach. Most distinctive about her is she does wear what appears to be the uh, skull of a very small crocodile, uh, the skull itself being no longer than about four inches. Mm. So you don't know if it was a, a baby crocodile or some sort of like blood caiman. She would give you a curt nod though as you begin to approach. Sudi. Greetings. I heard that you had left the temple. Yes, I wish to venture into the necropolis. I understand. 
if you will fill out the form for you and your compatriots. She would provide the form for you to fill out, of which you could list down everyone's name, including Onuris. Mm-hmm. Onuris, hey, I got it right. Uh, including Onuris. She would nod at that, taking the form from you. I assume that you would, uh, she would then provide you with a separate small slip of paper, identical to all the other small slips of paper where you could write your party's name on it. Okay, and I write the doorkeepers of, du- of the Duat. Duat. I'm assuming you guys helped me with the spelling, because... Yeah. Four letters. Sudi don't read real good. Why did we send <laughs> we you sent, the We sent the illiterate cat up to... <laughs> this is the beginnings of a party, everyone. He scribbles some things on a piece of paper and then bats it across the floor and then runs away. <laughs> he steals the pen in mouth. <laughs> I was, was going to say, I just put the pen in my mouth and run away. Or cat no, people. But Septi would nod. Very well. I will add you to the list. You do understand that... Both you and Onurus will be in an adjunct status within the church yes. until this is resolved. Yes, we and understand. Of course. We simply cannot show any signs of favoritism. Completely understand. She would nod, taking your scroll and then tossing it into the urn next to her. The rest of you would basically be able to take the time to get a skewer of meat if you want to snack on something while you're waiting. A woman would make her way by. Who actually has the highest like, charisma in this party? I have a 16. I have a 12. I have a 12. I have a 10. Okay. Well, you're, you're off dealing with that. So. I am mm. beautiful. You're beautiful. <laughs> handsome. This, or you're just distracting. <laughs> you're distractingly handsome. Like, who the this is the gold person? <laughs> but a young woman would make her way up towards you, giving you a smile before handing over a slip of paper. Okay. What does the slip of paper say? The slip of paper has a uh, amusing drawing on the front of it of what appears to be a uh, small crocodile smoking a hookah. Yes. <laughs> it appears to be a uh, an advertisement for the Tooth and Hookah, which are apparently is apparently a bar as well as an inn that is offering discounts for adventurers <laughs> uh, engaging in this event. Oh. So pretty much she just walked up, handed you a flyer, and then wandered off. Oh, it, I thought she was like offering you something as a strip club. <laughs> hey. <laughs> I'll uh, shove the flyer in one of the pockets of my backpack. Uh, any of those of you who have knowledge local may make a knowledge local check, though. I have that. I have that. Oh, mm. no. <laughs> it's great when both the people that rolled went, oh, no. I got a 10. I got an 8. <laughs> uh, with an 8, you're not actually from here, so it's not really surprising you don't know that much about it. Uh, with a 10, you have heard of it. The Tooth and Hookah is located very close. It's actually just like a block away from the entrance to the necropolis, so it would be very conveniently located, all things considered. You don't really go there much because it's kind of like a foreigner place. Ah. Or at the very least, like most foreigners stop and actually stay there, and there are other hookah lounges that are probably more comfortable for you. A little closer, a little bit, you know. You're a little bit more like, I like my hole-in-the-wall sort of place. Hipster Hipster. hookah lounge. (laughs) But returning uh, back to the rest of the group, you could, I suppose, let them know that you've... Signed all of them up in this lottery. Yep. <laughs> all right. How good do we think our chances are? Well, everyone gets something, yeah? Those of you who are from the Church of Phrasma, since they have been setting this up for days, yeah. know that effectively this, the entirety of this is going to be done in three stages. They are going to draw a name from one urn. They're going to draw a location from a separate urn. And then that is the location you are assigned. You are not allowed to loot anything else that is not in that location or you know any of the other locations nearby. Basically to stop the adventuring groups from going in there and then looting literally everything they find in a mad rush to try to get as much treasure as absolutely possible and killing one another potentially in the process. I, yeah, I assume I... they gave us a, a map grid where like it's all broken up or something. From what you understand, when you um, when there is the drawing, once your location is drawing, they will provide you with a map that will take you to the location of the tomb or whatever it is you're exploring. Oh, okay. Once you've explored that and return, apparently you're going to be able to report your success for, to the Temple of Phrasma. They're going to give you a question and following. How did you find your looting this time? Yeah. <laughs> or more along the lines of like, you know, were there other people buried there we weren't expecting or things along those lines. After which they're going to do a second drawing for you for a second location and then the third location, capping it at three locations per adventuring party. So if we clear it quickly, then we potentially could do more sp- more three. No, I every, did... everyone caps at three. Oh, okay. So everybody gets three? Everyone gets three. Oh, okay. So okay. it's one of those, there's no actual rush for anyone to immediately clear theirs to try to find more treasure. Oh, okay. Because I, I was worried they were going to run out of spaces or something. No. Okay. My faith in some of these people to uphold this agreement, however, is not very high. Which, from what you understand, is probably part of the reason that the Voices of the Spire, the militant wing of the Church of Phrasma here, are going to be patrolling the streets of the Necropolis to ensure that all of this is done by the book. The Voice should keep order. 
to sure. oversee the opening of the tombs and impose rules and guidelines on explorers basically for the sake of propriety. We're going to be adjunct to the church during this event. I know. Good. Now we wait. So what does that mean? It means we can't stay at the temple while this is going on. We are not a part of the church, so there's no favoritism. Fortunately, you just got a flyer. <laughs> Discount hookah lounge and in. <laughs> Hopefully affordable hookah lounge and in. It depends on how you spend it. I mean, I have a couple gold pieces, but <laughs> not a whole lot. But I suppose then, as you would watch, the high priestess would make her way up onto the platform, would raise her hands, calling for silence. I guess make our way closer so we can actually hear what she's saying. Yeah. Except for the one person strumming a <laughs> musical instrument in the background. Ambiance. Ambiance. It's the it's a, it's a big announcement, you know. It's the Frasman choir. It's the, it's the one bar who's still trying to get a couple of <laughs> it's copper pieces. Choir. Yes. Just still off in the background. Either that or he just doesn't speak Osiriani and just is like, oh, okay, I guess I can play. Yeah, everybody's, it, the one person is talking and everybody's silent and he's just like, eh, I can make a couple copper. Ding, 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 ding. But she would stand up holding up her hands. By order of Pharaoh Ketmet III, the ruby prince, we are to open the necropolis of Wati to the explorations of these gathered adventurers. You should understand, though, the history of this place and the reason it is sacred. Wati was once a great city, until the Plague of Madness cut amongst its thriving populace. In 2499, many were infected, and within a matter of months, much of the city fell to fever that, when it did not immediately kill, drove mad its victims. More than half of the city had fallen in painful, anguished death. Most of the survivors fled Wati to make new homes elsewhere, but a stubborn minority remained behind, determined to reclaim their city. But once even the plague had run its course, their livelihoods collapsed. After half a millennium, Wati's fortunes reversed, thanks to the Church of Phrasma. With the permission of Osirian's Kelishite Sultan, the Phrasman priest Nefru Shepis marched on Wati, with a small army of alchemist masons and morticians under his banner, and consecrated the city to the Lady of Graves, beginning with a new, monumental temple of Phrasma. She would gesture dramatically to the building behind her, the Grand Mausoleum. Over the following thirty years, Nefru and his followers recovered the bodies of those slaughtered in the Plague of Madness from their hasty makeshift graves, and walled off the portion of the city that now makes up our necropolis, transforming it into a home of makeshift tombs for these dead. Thousands of corpses were given formal burial rites and reinterred in this dead copy of the living city in which they once lived, our necropolis. This revitalized Wati, and although we have never reclaimed the dominance that we once held amongst the cities in the south, we have recovered greatly. This place is sacred, you must understand. And so it needs to be respected. We will begin the lottery now. Although many of you have requested specific sites to explore, we must leave these matters to fate. The Lady of Graves is a far better judge of destiny than we of this mortal sphere. The gates of the necropolis will open at sunrise tomorrow. Use this evening to prepare yourself for the task ahead, and let these three rules guide you in your endeavors in this holy place. First, remember how this came to pass. The Plague of Madness was unleashed upon the city of Wati, while religious authorities were engaged in infighting. The necropolis remains a holy place, and those who engage in needless conflicts and banditry are not only criminals, but accursed. Second, every slave hut is a memorial. Every structure within the necropolis is a testament to the people who lived and died in this city. You must not desecrate or vandalize standing structures and tombs, but preserve them as the memorials they were intended to be. Some structures may be trapped or decrepit, but willful and unnecessary destruction will not be tolerated. Third, honor the departed. The dead should be treated with dignity and respect. If the interred need to be disturbed to recover an antiquity or relic, they should be returned to their resting places carefully. 
it is understood that the ancient dead are often brittle. But there is no need for the contents of sarcophagus to be summarily dumped on the ground. It should go without saying that this rule does not apply to the impure undead or other abominations, those you are expected to perch. May you go with the lady's blessing. She would step back, people beginning to shatter and happily begin to uh, make their way kind of crowding forward as the lottery would actually begin in earnest. The priest of the Grand Mausoleum would step forward, basically pulling out a sort of number of pieces of parchment. The priest next to her would basically pull out the first parchment. I suppose all of you waiting in anticipation before they would call another adventuring group entirely. Because obviously you're not going to be the first people that they call. In this case, from what you understand, the dog soldiers, of which you'd see the halfling that you saw before, accompanied by a number of other halflings, as well as what appears to be an entire pack of trained dogs, which would stay back behind, but he would make his way up. Okay, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> Interesting strategy. Um, the dog soldiers would seem to be given uh, some sort of, you're going to guess, tannery that has been turned into a mausoleum at this point to go out and explore. The next group called up would be a group called the Scorched Hand. Any of those who wish to make a knowledge religion may do so. I get an 11. I get a 24. With the 24, you would know that the Scorched Hand is probably a reference to Nethys, oh, um, the god sense. of magic, who basically is split between his creation and destruction side, of which one half of him is internally burned, and is his destructive side. The Taldane woman that you'd seen before would actually make her way up, the woman in the purple uh, long coat and wide-brimmed hat. Hmm. Uh, all of you would note, if you wish to make a sense motive check, let's get some dice rolling. I get a 16. I get a 15. 7. 2 get a 16. Cool. With your 16s, you would note that she would seem to stop there for a moment, unlike the first one who kind of went up and just kind of took his thing and was like, okay, thanks, and then wandered back off. She would seem to discuss with the priest in what looks to me maybe a brief argument, obviously not happy with the, like, the location that she got. Well, you get what you get, lady. Yeah, it's fate. <laughs> Before eventually, like, you know, he just kind of like, I need you to move along. There's other people waiting. No one would huff, storming her way back down. Judging by her appearance, you're going to guess that she's probably of some form of nobility, although obviously not nobility from the southern continent. Nobody cares. No one cares. <laughs> None of us have the knowledge to know anyway. I have knowledge of nobility, but I doubt I know anything about Taldor. Third called would be the Crypt Finders, uh, and then following after that would be Original. the Gatekeepers of the Duat. Doorkeepers. Doorkeepers, sorry. Doorkeepers of the Duat. I guess. Unless I wrote it down wrong, which is entirely <laughs> possible. <laughs> like, uh, actually, it's a... Uh, yeah, Sorry. I'll go get the paper, I guess. All right. You would basically approach the stage and make your way up towards it. The man would nod at your approach before reaching into the urn next to him and producing a slip of paper. He would confer with the man next to him um, as they would basically grab a scroll before providing both the slip of paper and the scroll, which you believe should be probably a map to the location. Taking it back down, I suppose making your way back over towards the rest of your compatriots. The scroll is sealed with the uh, wax seal of phrasma, which you could easily break. Alrighty. Pulling it, you would find, in fact find a map of the necropolis. It is a map of the entirety of the necropolis, just your current location has already been marked on it. Unrolling the other scroll, it seems that you've been assigned to the tomb of Akintepi. Ooh, that's fun. Better than a tannery. Um, can anybody make any knowledge checks about that? Any of those of you wish may make me a knowledge history check. Hey, I actually have something. Dramatically getting a 12. 12. I get a 15. Uh, with the 12 and 15, whomever this was was not prominent enough that their name has withstood the test of the millennia since his passing. Regardless, though, you would note that this is in fact an actual tomb, though. So it's not one of the buildings that has been retrofitted to become a tomb. It was probably a tomb that already existed there before. Meaning that it potentially might have even more treasure and will probably be far more dangerous. Cool. We're going to have to be careful not to desecrate anything while we're in here. It's possible there will be undead in this, mm. if it is an actual tomb. That can be As well as possibly trapped. Is anyone good with traps? You smile. I assume that's you. Yes. <laughs> and by you, he means Citra. <laughs> I'm still learning names. Yes. <laughs> Sudi, not super intelligent, average intelligence. I didn't get a chance to say Citra smiles. <laughs> So collecting yourselves, of course they're not opening the necropolis until sunup, and from what you understand, the necropolis will close again at sundown. Mm. They do not want people in there at night. It gets far more dangerous. Okay. Then I guess we're going to have to go grab rooms at the hookah crocodile place. The tooth oh. and hookah? How far is Unless. that place from where I live? 
Oh, that's right. You actually have a house. Well, I live on a couch. A couch in the Temple of Bastet. Effectively, the uh, Tooth and Hookah is literally right around the corner from the entrance to the Necropolis. The F's district, which is where you live and where your home is, you're looking to be close to about a good mile away. I'm going to head for this tavern because I don't have anywhere else to stay because the temple was like, nope. Me too. Uh, I don't know any better since yeah. I'm not from here. Have you like literally just arrived? Just arrived? Or like, have you been here for a while? Uh, I'm just arrived, just arrived, because I came for the lottery. Ah, okay. Right off the boat. I was originally from An, and then I moved to Tefu, and I'm coming here for this. Oh, okay. Uh, for those not familiar with the geography, On is a neighboring city, like, across the river, one of the rivers. Yeah, it's, it's just north of where you currently are. It's, the, uh, it's, it's actually a, on the banks of this river Sphinx, which makes its way north from here, where the Aspen Crook, or where you currently are. I don't know anything about Sphinxes. Sudi <laughs> gives you a sad smile. It's a sad, sad In, in a way that says, typical. typical. Are you still searching for a sphinx? Yes. I can't give up. Why? What is the importance of the sphinx? I was an orphan. From birth. I was found by a priest of Caden Caitlin. He raised me as his own. And told me that he found me on the river. On his deathbed... He told me that he, I was brought to him by a sphinx, and that's all I know. And so I want to find out why. Our chances of seeing a sphinx are relatively rare unless we'll get Ubet's Folly. It's a known place where sphinx congregate, but I don't think we're going to be that lucky. Unless Phorasma smiles upon us. You mean in the necropolis there are sphinxes? Supposedly. Interesting. Wouldn't they have been seen by now? Secretive creatures. And also, like, no one goes into the necropolis. So. Also, they're kind of deadly, so... Well, nobody goes into the necropolis with... Permission. Every, yes, there we go. That's the good word for it. Permission. Are you still doing that? What? What? Dun-dun-dun. Sigur smiles. <sighs> what? I gave that up years ago. I do it legally now. Oh, I like that. I like that you also admitted to it, even though I'm looking at Seeger. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> he was. Wait, you've been to Watu to go to our necropolis? <laughs> I like that both of us look at our the, the lawful people look at the chaotic people and go, oh, oh God, y'all are both lawful. Yes, this is gonna be a problem. Lawful, good, <laughs> chaotic, neutral, <laughs> neutral, good. Mm. Regardless, we need to rest and prepare ourselves. What did you do today? <laughs> I woke up and put on a lot of rope. I was gonna say. I was like, <laughs> I had a very filling breakfast, and it's time for my catnap. <laughs> I mean, okay. So you're not staying at the crocodile and hookah? Uh, tooth and No, hookah. but I'll go tooth with you and for now. But you can all make your way through the city streets relatively easily. Uh, I imagine probably picking up the, the pace a little bit when you realize that the other adventuring groups that yeah, are probably how many, signing out. How many groups are there in total? In grand total, there's over 20. Oh my gosh. Given the size of the city from the map... That's, yeah, easily enough for three. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah the necropolis is may, huge. Yeah, they may not actually even get all of it explored with three. But. Yeah, which means that they could open up it again in like a year or something like that to continue oh, the exploration. But the they're limiting it for this time to make sure that there's like no issues with... There's going to be issues. Oh, I like it. We're the beta testers. Yeah, you're, you're beta testing. Oh, boy. Eventually, though, you would make your way through the city streets. Uh, again, probably rushing a little bit, knowing that there are this many adventurers in the city. So in rooms are probably going to fill up really fast. Yeah. People are going to need to be bunk buddies. Uh, eventually, though, you would find uh, what looks to be a older building set here with a large awning in the front and a flag hanging from uh, one of the awnings painted with a grinning green cro- crocodile sinking its teeth into a gold hookah. You could easily push your way through the doorway and into the building itself. It's actually a rather spacious fair and honestly looks to be almost more indoor market. As you stand here and glance around, the entirety of the outside of the walls of these places are full of small market stands. Even looking these over, you can tell that they're filled with an assorted number of like cheap-looking necklaces, uh, old books, overflowing tables, bracelets, earrings, so on and so forth. Basically things that the locals would peddle to foreigners that don't know any better of what actually is of value here. And are just looking for trinkets to take while they're exploring Osirian. Is there, like, a main desk area to, like, rent a room? This place is basically a bar hookah lounge, somewhat of a market, and inn. Far side, you would see the bar counter. You would actually have to navigate past a number of crescent-shaped pillows and small tables set down on the floor and pass through the clouds of 
hookah smoke that occupy this place. A bartender, a strong-looking Osirian man, would stand behind the counter. He has a kind face to him, broad-jawed and kind eyes, although he has numerous scars, from which you're going to guess are a number of bar fights that he's either caused or broken up. He would give you a toothy smile. Excuse me, are there any rooms left? Certainly there are rooms upstairs if you are in need of them. How long will you be staying? I'm not certain. At least probably three days. Well, we do have some individual rooms still available, or the suite is still open. The suite? Yes, it's uh, four connected rooms in a central garden. I I don't need a suite. How much is it? The suite will run you ten gold pieces a night. Oof. No. Although that's technically, once you split that between all of you, it's two and a half gold pieces per person. I mean, I can make that work. Effectively, you get your own individual wing with no cross-through or anything else. There's just a single door that leads into the garden, and then four separate bedrooms that lead that go off the garden. Uh, I, I would turn to Sagira. Are you going to stay here if we get the suite, or are you still going to return home? I have to return home. It has home. feather beds and <laughs> silk sheets. Then individual rooms will be mm. fine. Uh, then I do still have si- three single rooms available. We'll take them. Very well. Uh, it will be two gold pieces. A night? Yes. Adventuring parties are heavier. The gold price goes up. What did the flyer say? Is that what the flyer said? The, the flyer says that there's a discount for the adventuring groups. But you haven't mentioned anything oh, about being I, adventurers. I show <laughs> him my flyer. I show him my discount coupon. <laughs> ah, you're, I'm sorry. You would take it. You have the, the voice and countenance of a local. I didn't realize that you were exploring tombs. Yes, I can provide the rooms to you for a discounted rate of a gold piece per night, if you so wish. Olive oil and bread will be provided, as well as uh, stuffed olives as a breakfast in the morning. Complimentary, with some hot tea. Thank you. Sounds good to me. For any of those of you curious, and as you're actually standing up there, you would notice that there is a small, what amounts to like a well, next to the uh, end of the bar here. Glancing down would be a tiny, adorable crocodile swimming around in the bottom of his little pool here. <laughs> is he smoking a little hookah? No. Oh. He could have been the mascot. Well, he is, in fact, the mascot, but... <laughs> How are you going to get a crocodile to smoke a hookah? Very magic. difficultly. Everything's possible You have to awaken magic. the crocodile first and then give him a hookah. <laughs> Considering my zero ranks and knowledge arcana, magic. Anything's possible with magic, because I don't know how it works. His name is Toothy. Oh. Adorable. We feed him scraps, but uh, he never seems to get any longer than his size. He's only about six inches long. Hmm. Adorable. It's like under a permanent reduced animal. <laughs> just oh. down. Who knows? The one day the guy who cast that is sick, all is going to break loose. Well, we should probably figure out what our strengths and weaknesses are so that when we actually go into the necropolis, we're not surprised. It's not a bad idea. Feel each other out. Do me a little sparring, maybe? Not what I meant at all. I meant more skill. The likelihood of us fighting something in other than other adventuring parts. And undead. But I'm we need to be able to make sure that we can get through traps. And what is everybody here for? Sphinxes. Money. I'm searching for some historical documents. About what? The line of the pharaohs. Hmm. Historian. Me as well. I'm looking for... Uh, Information on certain magics. I see. Very well. Well, skills, you said traps. I can disable most traps. Mm, Locks also. Yes. Okay. I'm a cleric. Healing. I'm really good at killing things. So you'll be watching our backs. Fighting. I have a good appraise skill. (laughs) (laughs) I have high ranks in appraise. (laughs) And I fight very well, and I climb even better. I know a fair bit about history and the ancient nobility. I know my way around here. I know tombs. I've been learning to read by studying history and sphinxes. You don't know how to read. I kind of know how to read. You know enough to write. A little bit. You just misspelled everyone's (laughs) names. (laughs) I haven't learned the join together writing. I don't know if this is a legally signable document. Don't have me sign contracts. There was a giant contract you signed earlier and put everyone's name on it and I have no idea what it said. Oh man, the, uh, the temple 80% of, of your profits go to the Temple thing, of Phrasma. Good thing this isn't being run the by the Asmodeans. I was going to say Temple of Phrasma <laughs> taken over by Asmodeans. Oh Plot twist. So we're in for an interesting day tomorrow then. 
get our feet wet. The necropolis isn't too bad. Hopefully not wet. Most of the time. And where exactly have you been in the necropolis? She shouldn't have been anywhere in the necropolis. People shouldn't be in a lot of places, and yet they end up there. We're finding an advantage we should use. Mostly near the walls. I haven't gone too deeply in. How deep into the necropolis is is our thing? I assume it's not on the edge. Looking at your map as you lay it down onto the table and peer into it. Yeah, do, do, uh, it do is on know? the literal opposite side of the necropolis. You're going okay. to have to walk through the entirety of the necropolis to get to there. <laughs> okay. Do we have like any information about the tomb that we're going into, the Okinotopi guy? Uh, no, and none of you made a knowledge check. You could potentially like ask around here if you so wish. This place is quickly filling up with other adventurers, but there are still some other locals I, here. I don't know how much we should broadcast where yeah. we're going and everything, especially because... I assume they didn't announce where everybody no. was going. And there, we know that there's people mm. who want specific places, so maybe. Mm. Yeah, you would notice the Taldane woman from before seems to be in here as well. Mm. Well, especially because we got potentially one of the better finds because we got a tomb. I feel very sorry for those who got the areas near the wall. You already cleared them out, didn't you? I mean, maybe not entirely. And Yuris looks very unhappy about this. I didn't touch any bodies. I'm not <laughs> over here making mamiya to sell in the streets. Is that, is that that's the name of the drug? Right. Ground up mummy corpse. It, but it's called Mamiya? Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you not know this? We sold... Uh, no, no, I mean, I, my, character, my character knows this, but I am a, a frail human How who do doesn't know have this? a We memory. did it together. Yeah. Norton lines of Mamiya all night. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Then, <laughs> my character has an aneurysm. <laughs> we don't tell her about We're my not. profession We're and definitely our not former her lives. Okay, anyway. Um, well, we went into tombs, but it was more to survive. Not so much to make money. Well, how do you survive without money? Well, we only took what we needed, not beyond. Well, yeah, but you're still taking things. And over six years, that's a lot of stuff. We didn't get to keep much. Right, it's not like I have a house full of like stuff. It's Regardless of what we did in our past, tomorrow's a new day. Present. We start fresh. Is now it- it's legal. Some of it is legal, depending on how far you go. Doing it with permission is legal. Doing it without permission is still illegal, as far as I know. Disclaimer, Sudi is not a lawyer. <laughs> or barrister, or whatever the term is. Well, since you're still sure closing you the necropolis read. at night, it's probably still illegal to go in there and loot at night. Well, yeah, nighttime's the only time I ever saw anything creepy. What did you see? I don't know. Um, the most common forms of undead that usually stumble around in the necropolis that people run into. The occasional zombie. If you're really unlucky, the occasional ghoul. I'm gonna um, go with zombies. Skeletons are also not all that too unknown as far as things go, and they're also, of course, the occasional trap. Well, I mostly went into the places that were already open. Other than that, really the biggest dangers, just like walking around that aren't undead, are uh, ghost scorpions, Mm. which are exceptionally large scorpions that like to make their homes there because people don't really bother them inside of the necropolis and they can find a dark place to hide. Giant scorpions and zombies. That sounds terrible. But uh, as the night passes, all of you may make a perception check. As I imagine, you're probably, you know, would eat dinner there. Dinner is not included, so it would be five silver pieces. Actually, since you guys have the discount, uh, it's two silver pieces for you. Okay. I only get a nine on my perception. Well, you're getting a chance to catch up with your old friend here, so I imagine you guys are chatting it up. Uh, Too 20, busy being like, oh, shit. 27 for me. Over here. I know everything. Uh, 23. Eight. <laughs> Okay, so what I'm taking away from this is uh, Anuris is generally just aggravated with these two and their continued conversations pertaining towards actually looting tombs. I don't touch any dead people. Uh, Sagir is just excited to have the opportunity to like talk with Sudi again and like, hey, I'm kind of catching up with people and I'm not like, you know, my usual like day-to-day routine. Mm-hmm. Sudi, I imagine, is listening with one ear towards her and the other ear swiveling back around to catch what's going on in the rest of the place. Exactly. Uh, and Citrus, you know, sitting comfortably, simply keeping an eye on what's going on around her. A number of adventuring groups are staying here. Uh, even glancing around, you can pick out that, counting yourselves, there must be maybe eight or nine different adventuring groups. They've filled up the rooms upstairs already at this point, and so most of them are simply renting out pillows to sleep down in the common room down here. Is this the only inn? No, but it is the one closest to the necropolis. And if and you're so... going to wake up at the, at the break of dawn and go in... You yeah. wake up one hour before dawn. <laughs> and you walk. This is what I will be doing from my home. You all would have an opportunity, as many of them are kind of like meandering about, chit-chatting with other people and everything. You would have an opportunity of talking with some of these other people. 
Two of you, I don't believe, actually speak the common tongue, uh, as I am going with an optional rule where you can replace common with the native language for the region. So two of my players only have uh, Osirian. They don't actually speak the common tongue. That's me. That's um, also me. And so really, yeah, so that would be uh, Sudi and uh, Sagira don't actually speak common, and so can't really talk with a lot of these foreigners. Probably why you didn't actually even, like, hey, halfling, where'd you get all these dogs? Uh <laughs> The halfling and his party are here and have apparently rented out the entirety of the stable to house all of their dogs. That's so cute. Old strategy uh, cotton. Uh, in addition to that, there are an assorted number of other individuals. There are a couple of clerics here, so if you need any other backup healing, but they seem to be mostly dedicated to probably helping their own groups. Really, like, the scorched hands are the only ones being generally vocal, uh, as apparently they were assigned to go and explore some sort of refurbished brothel turn into a actual, like, tomb for people, as opposed to going to an actual tomb. They seem to be rather incensed pertaining towards this. That's the one with the lady from Taldor that was being all the, Yeah, the right? light-brimmed, plumed hat. Okay, I, woman. Onuris finds this really amusing, but doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the evening would pass uh, rather uneventfully. I suppose the three of you, Sudi, uh, Citra, and Onuris, would make their way upstairs to basically find your rooms. And Sagira makes her way back out into the uh, city streets and back to her own home, crashing on her friend's couch. I have to make sure my ladies are safe. So making your way uh, back to the city streets, you'd be able to arrive unmolested. You could pass any number of taverns here and find that they are far more rambunctious and uproarious than they usually are, probably judging by the sheer number of adventurers enjoying their last night of drinking before possibly dying. Like you do. For the rest of you, your rooms are relatively nice. There are windows in each one of these. All of the windows would be open as you guys would make your way in, as even at night in the spring here, it still gets relatively stuffy if you don't actually have that cool breeze coming in out of the desert. Our cleric and our rogue are perfectly fine. Our uh, catfolk here has this room on the side where it's directly above the stables so just periodically through the night are just barking and howling dogs i have a feeling i don't sleep very well <laughs> i sleep terrible dogs make me un uncomfortable for some reason mm -hmm. waking up the next morning though all of you would be able to make your way out trek your way down to the uh entrance to the necropolis which would open up with at dawn as all of you would crowd in there with the hundred other adventurers before they quickly begin making their way. Despite the fact that this is not a race or people aren't going to be able to get more than three tombs, some of them take off at a literal run as the doors open. Probably some of you are a little bit bothered by the people that are like literally riding horses off into the necropolises. There are some cavaliers here. Don't give me that look, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> How are they going to be effective? That's my question. Who knows? You're not riding that horse into the tannery. The halflings riding their dogs off into battle. I mean, okay. I can allow that. But All right, I'm going to let the charging hordes make their way in, and then then we can go in. So you would all gather yourselves together, I suppose march in. Yep. You would basically make your way through the archway underneath the uh, gaze of the guardians of the Temple of Phrasma as they would stand up on the wall. The members of the Voice of the Spire who would stand with crossbows still loaded at the ready, almost seemingly more concerned about all of you as you make your way into the necropolis than any of the dangers any of you may face. You would pass under a wide banner of phrasma that would hang over the archway and then step into the land of the dead. And we'll pick it up here next time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Find the Path. Please leave us a review on iTunes, as it really helps us out. If you want to follow us, you can on our website, or on Facebook as Find the Path, on Twitter at Find the Path Channel, or follow the Find the Path YouTube channel for our video content. If you would like to contact us, you can email us at findthepathchannel at gmail.com. Thanks again.